0: Welcome to Grow with Kobe. Listen, this is a podcast that can help us navigate in a more skilled way, the life that's in front of us as parents, partners, individuals, professionals, whatever applies to you. And if we can understand the skills it will help us to create as little collateral damage as possible, if we can focus on the things that will get us to the place where we wanna go, if we have mindfulness of the skills, we can seriously, understand who we are, which means we can better connect with the people who are around us. So come with me. This is going to be raw. It will be unfiltered. It will be vulnerable. We'll talk about successes. We'll talk about miserable failures. But most importantly, you're going to get authenticity from me and from all my guests. So come on, come with me. Let's all go together. It's good to have each of you with me. Uh, again, I'm Kobe. This is Grow with Kobe. And on this first episode, I'm going to give you a, a brief overlook of this eval format that I have. It's like a daily evaluation format. Really they're just like metrics. They are measurable uh, skills, really, that have served me, that have helped me to overcome an extraordinary amount in life uh, the last seven years. I've had enormous change personally across the board. But what I can say is, is um, my journey has been very much up and down. It's been fraught with all kinds of challenges along the way as a partner, as a parent, as a professional, as an individual. And again, this evaluation format, this daily evaluation format is really meant to help me understand what happened in the day? Like what happened to me, um, not what happened to me, but what did life throw at me? I mean, that's really what it is. What did life throw at me? And how do I, how do I make sense of that? How do I process it in a way that will keep me from carrying really hard stuff in the days ahead? So um, first I'm gonna talk about, I'm just gonna give you an overview of the daily eval format so the first one is emotions of the day and i think this is really critical to break down in the roles that you play right as a professional parent partner individual whatever applies to you and the recommendation here is is that you google feelings wheel um, at, on on google and you select any one of them and the more the more uh, emotions the better and really i mean like the more emotions that are in the the uh the emotion wheel the feeling wheel the better but all that is is just a prompt to help understand what took place as a professional that day so um if if you can't like right off the right from you know the hip think about what emotions you felt as a professional, then think to the various experiences that you had during the day as a professional that may have challenged you, that may have evoked um, discomfort in some way. Or think about the moments that were wins. Um, It doesn't matter what they are, but the whole objective is, is to identify what you felt as a professional, as a partner, as an individual, as a parent. Again, whatever applies. And if you can write each of those column headings on a sheet of paper, and if you can understand what you felt in each one of those roles, then you're gonna understand how you felt that day and you're gonna be more in tune with what was challenging and what was easier to deal with. But there's a few things that we need to establish about emotions first. And I'll circle back to this, but I wanna make sure that you guys understand this. Emotions aren't bad. They're not good, they are not right or wrong. They just are, they're things that we experience. And just like we would experience weather, if we walked outside and it was cold, the cold that I feel doesn't define me. Or if it rains or if it's windy, those things don't define me. They're just things that I experience and emotions really are the same way. Humans are meant to feel deeply. And in my experience, the hardest times in my life, the most challenging times in my life, the times I didn't understand that I was feeling that I didn't understand what I was what I was actually experiencing inwardly. And I kind of liken this to a we'll say the emotional five-gallon bucket that each of us has. Okay, let's just let's just operate on that assumption. It's empty. Okay. But as we go through each day, well as it's empty at the start of the day, theoretically, and then when we finish the day, that bucket's going to get filled up with lots of emotions. And the process of identifying what you felt is really a matter of, in the end, taking that bucket and pouring some of those emotions out or all of them, depending on what you're going through. But what's really tough is when we don't dump out water from our, or the water, the emotions from our bucket each day, then those same emotions stay in the bucket. And then we go to the next day and we experience all those emotions. But those emotions are now in the five-gallon bucket that's, that still has emotions from the previous day. And over the course of the day, even though the bucket might not overflow, it will get heavier. And it'll be harder to, to, to carry those with us. And that will also affect our interactions with other people. It will also affect the interactions or the narratives in our head. And it's important that we remember if we can each day take time to evaluate what we felt, that's really like taking that bucket of emotions and dumping it out or pouring some out as much as you can for the course of the day so you can start the next day in a more balanced, healthy way. Uh, I'll give you, for instance, um, I'll give you an example of what that's like for me. So today as... A professional, I felt creative, productive, insightful, intuitive, curious. I felt challenged. I uh, Did I say resourceful already? (laughs) Because I want to say resourceful. Again, if I haven't. Uh, Again, if I have, but if I haven't, you know. Um, I felt upbeat. I felt accomplished. I felt happy. I felt satisfied. I felt... Um, inadequate. I felt unprepared, but I felt determined and focused. And that's what I felt today as a professional. And that's just based upon, again, the experiences that I had through the course of the day. And if I can go through each of the roles that I play in life and identify those, I'm going to be so much more aware of my day, of me. And really those emotions are just clues, as to where you are in relationship to that role with the, um, the people that are around you, professionally, the people who are around you as an individual, et cetera. So those are emotions, right? Emotions, again, super, super important uh, to identify those on the daily to make certain that they just don't carry with us day after day after day because I promise you the hardest times in my life came when I just didn't know what to do with my emotions, I didn't know I was feeling emotions, and all of a sudden I would you know, lash out or I would uh, you know, try to find unhealthy coping mechanisms, um, whatever they are. So those are emotions, okay? The next one is gonna be dailies, okay? So what I mean by this is, is every day I wake up, I really have to, prepare myself to face whatever's gonna come that day, like whatever's gonna come. And what I figured out through the school of hard, knocks me, is that I've gotta prepare myself on the daily and mentally and emotionally and spiritually, I've gotta make sure that I'm on point, that I'm focused, that I can I can present life, my life, and I can present the people around me, the best version of me, theoretically speaking, with this i mean with with these dailies excuse me and so i'll give you an example of what mine are so i do a 30-minute workout on the daily i do a spiritual devotional okay on the daily um it's imperative it's imperative um to journal and i think really um the journaling is it's kind of daunting in truth i hated <laughs> I, I i never journaled i never journaled in my life but there was a time back in 2014 where i journaled and i was in, i was deep in therapy and i was journaling every night but i did it in a very specific way so that it could be sustainable and 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 productive for me because i knew for sure this was not about me writing Novels, this was not about me writing, um, you know, deep, deep, deep thoughts of what's happening. It was just simply an exercise to help me reflect on my day. So I made sure that it was 10 minutes or less. That really meant that I wrote for half to three quarters of a page is all. I didn't write legibly. I didn't write it so that I could share it with anyone. It was just my little self-evaluation when it comes to journaling. And um, what I think, if you haven't journaled before, what I think would be awesome is to say, you know what? I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna write what my emotions are in the roles that I play, and that's gonna count. That's a, that's a huge one. Um, I also am a huge believer that we have to have an outlet where we can speak our emotions for the day. So if you are in a relationship and you have a partner, one of the best things that you can do in effort to create connection between the two of you is to speak your emotions is to share them. That's scary because that's vulnerable and it can be challenging if we operate against definitions of emotions that are unhealthy, meaning if i think that uh sharing my emotions is going to make me weak or or yeah, it's going to make me weak, that would be an example of a of an unhealthy and and really um a false um idea about um about your day. Um, I can also say that um, as you go through your day and experience things, your partner's gonna wanna know. And if you can develop this relationship, even if it's brand new with your partner where you can be vulnerable and share your emotions, that will deepen connection between the two of you, emotional connection. And that means that we can taproot into the safety, the love, the understanding, the empathy of the other person. Now, that doesn't mean that there's going to be magic every time that happens. That's, that's just not how it is. But what that does mean is that you have taken your bucket, your five-gallon emotional bucket, and you've, and you've tried to empty as much as you could from the day. And, and sometimes they're just and some seasons of life you just simply won't be able to empty everything in the bucket. But by doing that and by sharing your emotions with your partner, that will totally allow you to dump out as, as much from your bucket as possible. And it will allow your partner to see you. And when someone can see us, but more importantly, they can feel us and feel our emotions, then connection cannot help but grow. That's just, that's just simply how it is. So those are dailies, okay? Workout, spiritual devotional, a little bit of journaling and writing down of the emotions that you feel as well as a check-in with your partner. Now, if you're not in a relationship and you don't have someone right there handy, if you will, to share this with, then you need to find somebody, whether that be a friend, whether that be a sibling, a parent, or just someone that's that, that's tight, that's willing to listen to you, not fix, but just listen to you. And I guess that that word fix is really important too. One of the things that we have to understand about emotions and doing this kind of emotional check-in is, we're not meant to fix anything. Our partners are not meant to fix our situations or scenarios. And the, I mean, honestly, the real challenge is, and this was the challenge with me, is I had no idea. I had no idea what it meant to just sit and listen to my partner and not fix things. Like I couldn't sit in the discomfort of what they were experiencing and I wanted to fix them. And what I learned was my desire to fix things was all about me not wanting to feel discomfort. It, in truth, it was like this, this, this unknown selfish act that kept me from connecting because I couldn't connect with people if I couldn't sit in the discomfort and, and realize I don't have to fix this. I don't have to come to them with with solutions. I simply need to just listen. So if you can operate against the same definitions with your partner, that's best case scenario when it comes to sharing your emotions and checking in on the daily. Okay. So I'm going to submit that each of us experience emotions on the daily that that are of different... You know, They're just various kinds of emotions, right? But there are some emotions that really run deep in terms of their effect on us. Like they really have this deep effect. So I'm gonna give you an example for, uh, for me, okay? I, I am very susceptible to erratic. I don't know if it's erratic is <laughs> the right word, but when I'm fatigued, my ability to be mentally focused is very much reduced when I am stressed from work or with kids um, or with uh, my former my former partner um, I get like I get stressed so stress discord meaning like arguments and those kinds of things that um, that are not productive those are also things that really set me off. And, and that's gonna be different for everybody. So for some of you, it might be driving, right? Driving on the freeway, dealing with people who, um, who maybe <laughs> don't let you in or they cut you off or whatever. And for some people, road rage is a thing. For others, um, being um, hungry is a really challenging emotion that triggers them. And um, anger, Is another one that could really trigger unwanted behavior. And whatever these emotions are that really set you off, okay? My experience is is that those things don't change lots over time, but I call these emotions that trigger. And these emotions that trigger, they trigger really hard and emotionally volatile emotions in us. And that can lead to behavior um, really won't serve us or the people around us. So if I can view like my emotions, the trigger, okay, mine, fatigue, stress, discord of any kind. And, and in truth, um, the pull of, of, uh, codependency, which codependency is a whole different topic that we're going to address in time. But if I feel the pull to give my, to allow my emotions to be affected by others, and so that changes how I deal with things, then that's a real situation for me. So whatever your emotions that trigger, intense reactions, then those are likely going to be your emotions the trigger. And if you can approach this on the daily and just evaluate how intense did I feel, did I feel fatigue today? And if I did, how intense was it? And that can be done in the same way for stress, for anger for uh for being tired, for being fatigued, um, all kinds of things, so if you know what those are, you can be mindful of them they're like they're like the the vulnerable points in a suit of armor that you always have to be mindful of. if you know that you're vulnerable excuse me to to being hurt through your armor, just go there with me. <laughs> Okay, if you're just thinking of, of of you in a in a in an armor suit, um, then you know, oh, I, I have to be really mindful of uh, my the sides of my torso, or I have to be really mindful of my back because those places I'm vulnerable to injury, and it's really the same thing. If if we can be mindful of of anger, or if we can be mindful of of shame, or frustration, or hunger, even hang- even being hangry. Then, then it will allow us to navigate those intense moments in a more present and effective way. Because if we're aware of it, then it's much more likely that we can respond to that stimuli, respond to those emotions that trigger rather than react. So that's why emotions that trigger are so important to know to understand and just to evaluate did I feel today and if so how intense was it okay so those are emotions that trigger then there's going to be situations that trigger okay so so typically with situations that trigger those always come from the emotions that trigger okay so for example fatigue for me um, I can experience fatigue so if I don't sleep well <laughs> during the course of a night And I wake up and I just feel like, oh my gosh, I'm so tired and I have to do all this stuff today. I've got to be really, really mindful. I've got to be really mindful of how fatigue will affect me. And especially in the late afternoon, because that's typically when uh, fatigue really plays a role in terms of being like, (laughs) in terms of my focus, just like up and leaving because I'm so fatigued and tired. And If I know that about myself, then I can plan on it and say, okay, I've got to be extra mindful late afternoon because I'm going to be fatigued and I've just got to be present and mindful of it. And if I am in a situation where I am at work or if I'm in a situation, um, in any situation where fatigue hits, that's going to be a situation that potentially could trigger any kind of unwanted behavior that you wouldn't want, right? Um, I know a big one for me, is um, for a very long time um, it, was, it was really challenging for me to, um, to be around certain members of my family. And so when I would go to uh, family events, the holidays, or whatever the case is, any kind of gatherings, it was just, uh, it was overwhelming for me. And it brought up a lot of emotions, um, and it brought up um, emotions that trigger and it, brought, and it became a situation that triggers me. So I, I've learned over the years that when I do go to events like that, I have to really prepare myself to deal with that particular person or that particular person or whatever the case is. And I have to be mindful of where I am emotionally and mentally that day. I've got to be really focused on using uh, dailies, as an outlet, and we'll talk more about what dailies look like and how you can use those as an emotional outlet. So when, it, when you are in a situation that triggers, you have more mental bandwidth to deal with them, okay? But if we can understand the situations that trigger in each day, the emotions that trigger, right? So if, like for me, right, fatigue, I have to be super mindful in the afternoon of being fatigued because then my mind can drift and my patience can go and my just being in the moment, I can just be uh, that stuff can just be really counterproductive for me. So evaluating, okay, what was the situation today that was triggering, and and when was it, and with whom, and where was I? And that might be, um, for instance, I have uh, I have a sister who's about an hour from me. And she's got littles, I mean, her kids are from like, I think eight down to 18 months. And one of them, the other day she, she, she told me, one of them the other day just went scream was just really had a tough day at Target and ran out of the store screaming. <laughs> and so she was just beside herself. And that was a situation that triggered her because she got impatient and she was really scared and certainly concerned for the safety of her daughter. And, um, and so that's an example of a situational trigger of identifying with whom, who you're with, where you are and how intense it was. And if at the end of the day, you can say, all right, I was at the store today and um, I was at Target and my little, when she was out of control and this little, I think she's like five, but she's, five, no, she's like five or six, I think she's six. And she's just fearless. She's beautiful and she is unique and she is her own person and she's every bit of charming and endearing. But she, she has her own ideas. She has her own ideas that, uh, that she's not afraid of letting people know, which is cool. We love that. We'll embrace that. But we have to be prepared in future going to Target, right? If I can know the situation and I can understand, wait, 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 wait. Okay, so I felt totally out of control in that situation. But where's my kid? And what were the factors that influenced my child to really freak out and run out of the store? So what do I need to do next time when I go to Target with that one child so that they are more reasonable and um, and safe, certainly? And so we don't leave Target feeling like, oh my gosh, we had like the worst situation ever. And then we're all emotionally wound up and, and jacked up. And it's harder for us to be present when that's the case. So situational triggers, again, situation for my sister in that case was being at Target, having her six-year-old run out of the store screaming. And for her, I'm going to guess that was probably like a seven or an eight. (laughs) Um, And and, and that's what she has to evaluate is how intense it was and where she was and, and with whom. And if we can understand those things, like if we're always around family, and we feel these similar emotions, and our tip and typically our response is the same. Those are things that I mean—that's just information. So we can be better prepared next time we're faced with that. Okay. Next is something called the spike narrative. Okay. So this is this is some tough stuff. Okay. When my daughters were four and two they were sexually abused by, uh, I have four sisters, one of the four. And since then, I mean, now now my girls are, um, geez, they're like 13 and 11. But when they were four and two, they were sexually abused by um, one of my sisters, trusted and loved her. And it was just the deepest betrayal. And the truth is, is that we still deal with the impact of that, uh, that abuse in our girls on the daily, even now. Now our girls are, you know, we put all kinds of effort into, into specialized therapies as, as young kids. And since then, um, they've, been in, they've been in trauma therapy. They're still, I mean, anyways, lots and lots of therapy. But the point is, is when Lucy was four and she was seeing this child psychologist who specialized in child sexual abuse, um, he said, okay, Lucy, here's the deal. And this was after a number of visits. You know, she was in a, she was in a better place and she was, she was more open. The doctor said, okay, look, here's the deal, Lucy. Because this person did, you know, abused you and did this to you, there's gonna be somebody else who will put thoughts in your head to sass your parents, to... Hit your sister. Two, um, do to others what was done to you. To uh, you know, disobey your teacher um, at school. All kinds of things. So, what you need to do this is what the, this is what the child psychologist told Lucy. What you need to do is you need to give this give this person a name, and you need to draw a picture of this person. So, four years old, Lucy um, in the office. She drew uh, a picture of a green monster with one eye, short legs, short arms, and um, had spikes on his head. Really, he just looked like Mike Wazowski from Monsters, Inc, (laughs) with spikes. It was awesome, and it was relative for her, right? And It didn't matter um, what she drew. It didn't matter what she named this person, but when she drew it and she named him, she said, this is Spike. And this is who puts those thoughts. This is who that is. And he's like, okay, cool. Now, what you're gonna do, and remember she's four, he said, you're gonna put this picture of, of Spike on the fridge and anytime time you have any thought that comes from him, then I want you to do, do, do two things. Number one is I want you to go tell your parents. I want you to go speak it. And number two, once you've shared it with them, then I want you to write it on a post-it note, whatever that thought was, and then I want you to put that post-it note on the picture of Spike to give it back to him. And just also to say that that wasn't me, that was Spike. And that was a brilliant, a brilliant method for Lucy because she grabbed it and she ran with it. And as a four-year-old, wow. I still have I still have images of Lucy coming in at four and sharing things that were that were so scary, sharing things that were so sad, sharing things that 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 just rattled me because the because of the level of discomfort that I felt from them and because of the, the greater context of the abuse. But despite all of that, she, at four, she was so focused and she was so good. And before we knew it, the picture was totally covered in Post-it notes. And she felt an increase of, and I don't think, she, I know she didn't realize this, but she, she that helped her have a really unique kind of shame resilience. Meaning, because she didn't own those thoughts, then she wasn't stuck with the shame that's that's correlated with each of those thoughts. Like, I'm a bad person because I hit my sister and she won't like me or uh, anything of that nature. Those, those uh, narratives are from Spike. And she became so skilled at that that, um, man, it, over time, we took down the picture. We made a box. She put them in the box. But after... Uh, Over time, she's like, okay, I'm good. I can recognize these and I don't need to report them anymore and I don't need to run them on post-it notes and the doctor's like, yeah, that's totally good. So from that point, Spike became this figure that we would talk about in our family. Meaning when anything came up, whether that was with uh, my former um, or my girls, that, that represented a Spike narrative, then we would just say, hey, that's a Spike narrative. Like, That's not true, that's not reality. And that could be any number of things, right? If, you know, if I'm rude to my former or if I lose my, my cool with my girls, um, if I yell while I'm driving, all those kinds of things, we just became super aware as a family of the behavior that really was unbecoming, the behavior that could potentially be destructive. And we also were able to give all of that back to Spike so that our, our resilience to the shame narrative, the spike narrative, which is I must be a really bad dad if I swear in front of my kids or I must be super horrible if my kids watch me in my road rage on the freeway. Um, all those kinds of things. So it really developed this level of mindfulness um, in us that uh, that was unprecedented, that we just didn't really understand or could appreciate what that was gonna be about. So... Um, that's the spike narrative. Now here's the, here's the interesting thing. Spike isn't just unique to Lucy. Okay. Spike is something that the spike narrative is something that all of us deal with. Okay. And, and I'm going to submit to you that spike has four, four different methods, four different ways that he thrusts his narrative onto us. The first one is, um, shame. He will thrust shame on us. Okay. Meaning you're a horrible dad because you just freaked out at that (laughs) Subaru in front of you when they cut you off. So that could be a shame narrative, right? You're not good enough as a dad. You're going to mess up your kids, anything like that. Okay. The next one is Spike's going to put tempting thoughts into our head to lose our cool, to lash out, to um, just be undisciplined and do things that ultimately we're never going to want to do or that we didn't want to do from the beginning. And after he, he tempts us, then he will what's called make mountains out of molehills. I'm not going to downplay anybody's molehills because they're all different and they're all unique. And that's not, the purpose is to measure molehills. But what I'm trying to say is the molehill really represents the reality of any situation that's really challenging. Okay, and Spike's not about that because if we can sit in um, an altered version of the molehill that's really big and really scary, like a mountain, then he can get us to leave reality of that situation and make us think that it's way worse than what it actually is. So being able to recognize Spike's efforts to make mountains on a molehills is imperative. It's just so important because he's just going to feed us reality, or he's just going to feed us um, just a false narrative that's nowhere near reality. The last one is minimize, rationalize, and justify. And man, that one is, that one's crazy because of how insidious it is. So... um I could, for example, if Lucy was to say in that scenario, when I'm driving on the freeway and a super in front of me cuts me off and I, you know, yell and swear or whatever, and Lucy says, Dad, that's a spike narrative. Like that was spike. That's not that's not how we do. Um, I could very easily come back and say, Well, he cut me off, which would be rationalizing. Or I didn't yell, I, I didn't, I didn't, I only use one swear. So, it's not that bad. That would be minimizing. Um, or, listen, I'm really in a hurry and I need to get to this appointment. We need to get to this appointment, Lucy. And it's okay that I did that because that's just, I'm in a hurry. That would be justifying. So, there's all kinds of ways that Spike gets us to minimize, to justify, to rationalize um, any experiences that we're in and in our interactions with people who are around us. And if we can be mindful of those things and how they show up, that's gonna help us stay in reality. It's gonna help us uh, <laughs> honestly keep our blood pressure at a at a reasonable, uh, at a reasonable state. And um, it's gonna help us see what's actually happening. So spike narrative, oh, that's imperative. That's super, super imperative to, to understand. And then I will say this. Um, the last one on this daily eval format is to identify your wins is to identify the things that went well is to identify and own the things that you did on the daily that you chose to do that were productive that were uplifting that um, represented some kind of accomplishment or some kind of discipline of the skills that we're working towards, or the win could represent a level of mindfulness, an increased level of mindfulness about the spike narrative, or extra focus on executing my dailies. It's super important. Now, I will tell you this, that, that wins can be really challenging for people. And I was totally one of them because the, the spike narrative, see, I wish I knew about spike when I was a kid because it would have saved me a lot of heartburn, a lot of pain. <laughs> A lot of pain, a lot of discomfort in life. But Spike, I just want to be really clear on this. This is how Spike is related to win. Spike is the first one, and we'll go into this on a specific episode exactly about the Spike narrative, okay? But but Spike is the first one to judge us to be the the jury and the executioner. And whatever we did, and and he will... Be the first one to say, look at how bad you are as a parent. You just swore in front of your kids on the free because a subaru cuts you up. What is wrong with you? You're losing it and you're no good. Moreover, you're gonna mess up your kids because of it. That's an example of how Spike will try to shame us, and he'll be the first one to do it. But conversely, when we have wins, Spike will be one of the first ones there to say, to say, oh wait, wait, wait. That that's a win, but the truth is is That's not you. You're not responsible for that because that came from somebody else or there's some other circumstances that that manifested that were really the reason why you have that win. So the wins aren't yours. He's the first one to tell us that our wins aren't our own, that we can't own them and they're not evidence of um, a solid moment as an individual. So wins are really important because the more we can identify, again, the the guided, mindful, and skilled choices we have, the better we're gonna feel about what we are doing. It will be empirical evidence of our progress. We don't have to be perfect at it by any means. We just to be focused and consistent on it. So, those are wins. Wins are really important. And you don't have to go, you know, you don't have to go crazy identifying wins, but, but wins are also those things that you wanna be able to share with your partner. With a loved one with um children if you have them if your dog if you have them (laughs) or cat but really um they're meant to be to be shared so that we can not just speak our challenges but also we can speak our wins and that will also help to remove us even further from the potential spike narrative that that might be going about that win So that's it that's the daily eval format and i am a big big believer that number one this format can can really guide us through hard moments it can really help us to be better each day Um, but it also can help us to mitigate wounds and hurts and damage to people around us that we love. And if we can do that, I really think that that, um, that we'll just all be in a better way. I've needed this check-in format and I had um, a serious challenge. I had a serious season of life where I didn't understand this most of my life. And because I, I didn't understand what I was feeling, because I didn't take care of myself with dailies, because... Because of all that, I just was, I I didn't know who I was. And I was floundering. It really was like, I was like, it was like I was in this little boat in the middle of the Pacific without a rudder and without a sail. I just was tossed everywhere. I, I didn't have any direction. I held on like crazy through all the tough storms, but I didn't have any direction. But once I actually started on the daily, just reviewing these, and it only took a couple of minutes just to go through them. Each day that empowered me with with knowledge about me and that knowledge really in that scenario of being in the middle of the pacific in a small boat with no rudder and no and no uh mast and sail that gave me those doing this checking format gave me those so i could actually even amidst the storm have direction and move towards the place that i wanted to be so this is an overview of what you can expect on Grow With Kobe. And we will, in the, in the coming episodes, I'm going to dedicate um, each episode. Um, like, for instance, I'll do an episode just specifically on emotions, where I'll walk through my own emotions. And I'll walk through what those look like. Um, and we'll break that down in specifics. Not just not just what it is theoretically, but also what does it look like to actually implement that in day-to-day life so that it can be fruitful for me so it can help me Um, we'll do the same thing with dailies have an episode on dailies and emotions that trigger that will be one specific episode as well as situations that trigger the spike narrative will be one and wins of course and um will I'll share real life experiences that I've had both (laughs) once where I fell on my face and that were just outlandish and others where I had some wins And we'll have guests. I'll have guests that will that that will be able to um, that that will be willing to share certain scenarios and situations, and and that way we can walk through this format to help break down what that looked like. We just know who we are. We can understand what the effects of our behavior is, and we can be best prepared to face whatever life throws at us. I want you to have hope that it's possible for you to navigate life in a successful way with skills. And that's what this podcast is about. Let's help you understand skills that will guide your life, that will help you have deeper connections, that will help you um, to know yourself more. And um, I just am a big, big believer that that these skills take, these skills and, and the necessary level of mindfulness of those skills, really, if you compare that to your role as, for instance, a parent, and the things that you do as a parent without thinking about them on the daily, those are all skills, and you have to be mindful of the skills real time in effort to take care of your kids. If you're professional, that means you've, you've got a skill set of a very unique kind that you have studied and learned, and that you know innately, but also you have real time mindfulness of. Um, I kinda liken it to being a, a, a chef in a kitchen And I've never been in, I mean, I had a job at a restaurant in high school, but I haven't spent any time in a kitchen. But what I do know is, is, is a head chef who runs any kitchen has to be mindful of the various stations in his kitchen. He has to be mindful at all times about the number of guests that are in. He has to be mindful of the people that are serving, the people that are cooking and, and what their strengths are or aren't. I mean, there's so many things that a head chef has to be mindful of simultaneously and he has to have not only the skills with each of those, with, with each of those components of the restaurant, but he's also got to have real-time mindfulness of them. So that way, things can run in a very fluid and effective and efficient way. And, and these skills, I promise, are the same kinds of things. Um, as a student in academia, if you have these, these uh, study skills, and you have the ability to be focused... And to be consistent, that's an example of a skill set that you have. If you're real-time mindful of the content that you're studying, and if you know it while you're in a test, that's an example of how you have leveraged skills and you've increased your mindfulness of those skills to yield a desired outcome. So that's why I think that everybody, everybody can take this format and can improve what their experience is. Now, I got to say this too, for certain this daily eval format. This isn't the NLPL. this isn't the silver bullet, this isn't the unicorn. And and the truth is, is some of you who are listening will be like, yeah, I'm just, I, I, I don't know that I, that I buy that. I don't know if that's resonating with me. Listen to the episodes moving forward. And if the message after listening to these real life examples and understanding more in depth about what these are and what they look like in real life and hearing real life experiences of successes, and like, like I said in the intro, Miserable failures, then you're going to come out on top. You're going to have hope that you can get through things. That you can have little wins along the way. And I just believe—if I mean—if if, if I'm able to do this, anybody can. Any person can. So I'm just glad that you're here. Um, appreciate you listening, and um, I'm excited about this journey because this is real life. This is real life. And I've spent lots of time without these skills, (laughs) and that's made things way, way hard. But these skills can be learned by anybody at any age. And that's why I'm here. I want you to have hope that it's possible, that you can be the person that you wanna be, and you can show up in your relationships in a way that you wanna show up without having life affect it in a negative way. So come with me. Let's grow. Let's stretch together. And um, let's see if we can take life by the horns. Thanks for being here, guys. It was so good having you. Really glad you're here. Please share this episode if anything spoke to you. And if you like what you heard, subscribe. Love to hear from you. Also, if you would like to join on an episode to walk through any kind of situation or scenario that's been really tough and challenging in life, go to growwithkobe.com. And click on the email button and send me an email. And let me know what your situation is, what you'd like to talk about, what you'd like to talk through. And you may be the person that I invite to join me on an episode over Zoom. And we can just walk through it based upon the skills of the episode. Thanks for being here, guys. Talk soon.